I V M. Welcome to episode 38 of Edges and Sledges, our second last podcast for the year. We've got an exciting one and a lot to talk about today. We uh, we last spoke to you just after the Adelaide test and a lot has happened since then. Of course, I have my co-podcasters with me, DJ in London, Ashwin in Cincinnati, and I'm in India this week for the holiday season. So, so let me start a little bit. Let, let's talk a little bit about the Perth test and I'll hand it over to both of you soon. But basically, for me, it was uh, it was a bit of a different feeling to not to have lost an overseas test, but to have lost a test and been 1-1. Right. For me, that was something that was uh, unique. I don't think I've seen that for a long time. But India, you know, after the strong performance we had in Adelaide, where we, you know, where we started the series off well, we kind of lost the plot a little bit on this one. And we lost by, I believe, 145 runs, which is no small amount. So, Ashwin, let me ask you first, you know, regarding the team selection, there was there's a lot of controversy going on and, and I, there's a lot of things we need to discuss. But I just want to get your thoughts up front about that. Yeah, look, I think it's easy for hindsight to be 2020. I think we've talked about this on the show before. There's been a lot of people who look back after a loss and say, of course, the team selection was horrendous, etc. You know, I do I do not fundamentally discredit, if we talk about the bowling for a minute, I do not fundamentally discredit Kohli for the idea that he said maybe four seamers is right on this wicket. But historically, when they played at the WACA, four seamers has been correct. We won a test, our only test we won in Johannesburg or in South Africa this year, the only one we won was with four seamers and no spin option. So I understand where they came from. Having said that, I think my, my quick reaction before we get into more detail is India got too involved in the mind games. Uh, the Aussies were talking about a spicy track and they showed a picture of grass before they had even cut it. Nobody ever posts a picture of a pitch with grass before it's even been cut. So they managed to get in our heads a little bit and I think Shastri and Kohli fell for that and then Lyon came on and was the best bowler in the match. So disappointing from that perspective, but I think it's easy to look back and criticize on team selection versus having done that before the match. Yeah, it's funny you say that. That's exactly what my take on this is as well, that they just kind of like put up all these pictures of a green wicket, spoke totally about that for, the, for like five days and suddenly you have Kohli and Shastri falling for it. DJ, let me ask you, I know Ashwin was not fit, but even when you had Anil Kumble, Murli Tharan, Shane Warren, whether it's Nathan uh, Lyon, do you ever go into a test match without a spinner? I mean, India did have done that three times in their test history, right? One of them under Kohli at Johannesburg and that turned out quite well. My problem wasn't actually not playing a spinner. I know there was a lot of chat about the grass on the wicket and maybe they did us in a little bit with that. But it was the choice of the fourth seamer. I know, I know Ashwin, you're a big fan of Umesh, but didn't you guys find that the choice of the seamer was a bit odd with Umesh Yadav? I know he's taken wickets in the past, but I mean, wouldn't Bhuvaneshwar have been the more natural choice given our tail was so long and Bhuvaneshwar can bat pretty well? Varun, I don't know. What do you think? I think, honestly, I think if the man bun was there, I think it would have been different. Didn't we do this assessment at some point? Like, Omesh with man bun took four wickets in every game of the IPL and Omesh without took almost none. It's a great analysis. Is it the man bun or the ha- or the hairband? No, hairband is called. Doesn't Omesh also have a hairband? I'm sure, I'm sure he, he owns one. <laughs> I was going to say the exact thing. <laughs> okay. We um, must be brothers. Okay. But, no, DJ, I totally agree. I, th- I think it was such a ridiculous... It's such a ridiculous pick. And Ashwin, you answer what DJ was saying. But I think the other thing I wanted to just add on is, 
suddenly you've got a team with four number 11 batsmen how is how does that work yeah so i i agree i think from a batting standpoint it's a ridiculous pick i think from a bowling standpoint there must be a reason right unless obviously there's some politics that we don't know about and bovi has fallen out of favor i mean umesh must have been hitting the deck pretty hard in the net so there, there's got to be a reason for that so again i i would like to give benefit of the doubt but honestly having been watching kohli and shastri for the last year and year and a half i should probably know better but anyway let's i mean let's we can only hope we fix it but i do agree it's not acceptable to have four number 11 batsmen in a world where i mean the australians added 150 runs or so for the last four wickets and we added four right so it's just there's no comparison yeah agree i mean to me it, it's really ridiculous and you mentioned a good point has bhuvi fallen out of favor because we know this kohli shastri combination you kind of have to suck up to them you have to make sure that they're in, you're in their good books i mean pujara has been dropped rahane has been dropped so it's really for me a little bit scary but dj let's talk through a little bit about the difference like for me what was very interesting over the last 24 hours has been the first time i've seen kohli and shastri not aligned right kohli during the test match comes out and says there was not even a moment when we thought of playing a spinner this was the only team that we wanted to go with and just uh, today if i if i remember correctly just today kohli uh, shastri has actually come out and said actually you know jadeja wasn't 100% fit and that's why we couldn't pick him any thoughts on that it seems clearly a case of quite confused thinking i think shami after the test match as well said we should have played a spinner kohli said that we were never going to play a spinner shastri now says if ashwin was fit would have played him now jadeja had come to australia carrying a niggle but he spent like 150 overs in the field as a substitute where is he carrying that niggle if he has to throw the ball in on those massive australian grounds i think the media may have got to ravi shastri a little bit there's been quite a lot of criticism that come that's come from people like gavaskar people like bishan singh bedi not only about kohli but also about shastri and i think he's reacted to that and in some ways he's actually made it worse than what it was by kind of muddling up things there isn't any clear stream of thought which is quite worrying in some ways for indian cricket so i i, I guess we just need to wait and see it's all very mysterious who's injured who's not whether they were dropped for injury or whether they dropped on form and no one really knows what's going on so that i think is a little worrying yeah and actually to me that's where i kind of well i don't agree with either of the two right kohli or shastri but at least i like kohli where he backs himself and says this is what it was this is what the plan was now for kohli to come out just because gavaskar is making a few comments i mean who the hell is gavaskar for for shastri to get upset about and have to react so you're right you're absolutely right shastri kind of has made it worse now you've got bhogle and all also questioning on twitter saying what was the whole point and if somebody's fielded over 100 overs wouldn't it have been just easier if he bowled 20 overs and didn't field much like the whole thing is a bit of a mystery but it's also not the first time right that this has happened it happened at lords remember when kuldeep played randomly on a on a grassy wicket yeah so the shastri kohli combination seems to come up with some pretty strange kind of left field picks kohli's picked karn sharma in the past Ashwin has been picked when he's not fully fit at Southampton. So, I mean, it, it's not the first time it's happened. Bhuvi's been dropped after being our best player at Cape Town. He was dropped for the second test. So, and he comes back in the third test. And Rahane, as you said, has been dropped. Pujara has been dropped. So, no one really knows what's happening. It's all a bit in flux. And that's the worrying bit about it. And nobody understands why the selections are being made, whether it's injury or form or otherwise. Yeah, and and you're right. And for all our listeners, there's a great article on Crick Info by Siddharth Munga uh, called "Who Removed My Spinner." And 
when you read that article in one go you just realize how embarrassing this whole you know selection uh, debacle has been right and the worst for me is in sydney 2014 they dropped pujara who had just helped india draw a test match and play an out of form suresh raina like for me it's it's just unbelievable so yeah do for all the listeners do have a read if you get a chance of on that article but anyway let's let's move on ashwin talk to us a little bit about the the kohli catch i mean you know we all predicted kohli is going to score some big hundreds i think he did very well as he himself said he let his back do the talking although i think he did a lot of talking on the field as well but how, what about that catch is that bring back really bad memories of watching ganguly edge it to michael clark and slip Yeah I mean I want to first make sure I acknowledge that you were unhappy about Raina getting selected in the field that's a pretty big one I never thought I'd say that I never thought I'd hear you say that but anyway just back to Kohli's catch to your question in particular I think Kohli look the it definitely brought back memories but I think it's acceptable I was reading a statistic that said you know for all that Kohli plays and misses against the seamers he very very rarely edges it to the keeper but he does tend to edge it to the slips and we've seen this before i mean i remember noticing in england last year he loves to guide the ball down to the third man and so he, that does mean there's risk he gets caught in the gully region or at you know a wide slip it was disappointing to see him get out that way but obviously all the controversy was around the catch and the cleanliness of the catch being taken so i'm not sure if you want to talk about that now or we want to move to that later yeah no let's talk about it now i look I I've said this I think before on the show and one of the assessments i read early on when this happened i think it happened something similar in a, one of our previous series earlier in the year is when we it is fairly easy to take pictures from a certain angle and make it look like the ball's touching the ground and take the same kind of pictures from a different angle and it make it look like the ball's clearly not touching the ground and that's because you're taking a 3D moment right with three different dimensions and trying to capture it in a 2D picture and so you can make it look like whatever you want i don't personally in that case think it was out but i know that i have a hard time taking away my inherent bias that i didn't want kohli to be out so i think it's i think it's unfortunate i think there's a bigger conversation to be had about the rule the role of a soft signal on the field i don't think it adds any value and so from that perspective the frustrating piece is the soft signal just ends up being the final signal because there isn't enough conclusive evidence to overturn but I don't know if there was in this case and I think cricket probably more fundamentally it's grown cricket has grown over the years with the DRS they probably need to take a long look at the role of the soft signal and hopefully we come out better for it in the future. Fair enough. DJ talk to us about the expert opinions from Ricky Ponting one of the most honest men the game of cricket has seen and you know a lot of people talk about a lot of people say Indians really hate Ponting because of how good he was and you know he's just so brilliant. For me I just hate Ponting because of that one incident where he just kind of told the umpire I'm saying it out. Yeah, what are your thoughts? Yeah, obviously referring to Sydney 2008, the infamous match which I think we'll come back to later in the show but I think you guys know I've been really angry this week and it's not because Kohli was given out or the soft signal or whatever else. It's actually because of the reaction of these so-called experts where Ed Cowan came out I think on ABC Grandstand and said that was a 100% fair catch and no question about it and he's taken that cleanly Kohli shouldn't make a big deal about it he should walk off and all of that stuff and I'm just like at best that's a 50-50 call right now where are you getting this it's completely out and I can see it and uh, there's no question about it I I don't know where that was coming from and then uh main man Ricky Ponting the uh, clean catch expert as we saw back in uh, in Sydney in 2008 in that infamous test match 
comes out and says, no doubt, that's a clean catch. And I'm just like, where are you guys getting this stuff from? <laughs> and I just found it shocking, really. I mean, the the partisanship by in which the commentators and experts in Australia kind of comment on the game, I find it amazing. One of the things that Richie Benno, the, the greatest commentator probably uh, Channel 9 ever had in Australia ever had, and maybe World Cricket ever had, he said that there are no teams called we. Right? And it's something that the Australian commentators routinely flout. They call them, and they, they, are, prof- they are professionals, they are uh, supposed to be neutral, but they can't get out of the fact that they are Australian and they used to play for Australia. And so they routinely call it we, and it's it. the commentary is completely biased in, in that direction. And I found that, I, I got very riled up by that, 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 that the catch was claimed to be clearly out and Kohli, it was implying that Kohli was cheating. Every single batsman in the in the world has the right to stand his ground if he thinks the catch has not been taken cleanly. Yes, Kohli was unhappy. Yes, it was a turning point in the match. India were about 75 runs behind with, uh, I think we still had uh, four wickets or, or five wickets still standing. And that, it was a massive point in the match and Kohli was entitled to be disappointed. He didn't show dissent. He walked off when the umpire gave the decision. So, for Cowan to come out and say that was, uh, I found that quite amazing. And for Ricky Ponting, I mean, with his record of on-field behavior, I'm so I'm sorry, he's not going to be someone I trust to call a catch like that. Absolutely, Ashwin. Talking a little bit more about the Kohli point, right? A lot of people have spoken about his his behavior on the field, his behavior off the field. You know, you've had Mike Hussey, Mitch Johnson comment on it. Then you've had Alan Border come and defend him. What are your thoughts on, on, on this entire issue? And, and I just want to add one thing from my perspective. Like, I'm okay with his aggression on the field. For me, I just wish somebody close to Kohli could tell him that your legacy is going to be built because of your leadership, not because you're going to cross 100 hundreds or cross 30, 40,000 runs. Like, somebody need that. That's, that's my perspective. And I don't have a problem with this aggression, but I have a major problem with this captaincy. Your thoughts? Yeah, I 100% agree with that. I've said that before on this show as well. I think that nobody doubts Kohli the batsman. I think Kohli has to prove himself a little bit more as a leader. But I think if you come to the just the point a little bit about his on-field behavior, I think, look, if you respect Kohli as a leader and think... Basically, if you respect Kohli as a leader because you think he's this icon that your children are going to look up to and become this moral standard for the kids of the nation and the world or he's that rahul drive he's going to evolve into as he ages into that rahul drive type character he's not right and some of the names about people we've been mentioning before is like ricky pontings and alan borders they never matured even into the well into their early to mid 30s even right at the end of their playing career they what drove them was the fire that aggression that passion for the game and that's what fuels Kohli so I think being the Indian team cricket captain it might be one of the hardest jobs in the world right you are constantly scrutinized even on this show I mean we get together once a week and talk and a large chunk of our conversations end up being about Kohli so it's one it's a tough job I think he handles it to the best of his ability and I think he needs that passion that fire that aggression if Kohli becomes this timid calm guy who doesn't celebrate dismissals, doesn't run and jump and high-five somebody and shout curse words in the air, then he won't He won't be the batsman that we know either. And so I think people are just a little bit naive. For some reason, they exp- expect him to be like a Kumble or a Dravid, and he's just not. He's a different guy, and we have to love him for that. 
Now, I think that's a separate conversation to talk about his tactics as a leader, which I know you said you have you you think leaves a lot to be desired, and I agree with that. But I think we're just being naive if we think he's going to become this nice, calm, mature guy because he's not, and that's why he's the player he is. Yep, and I agree, and I don't think we need him to become. I mean, you rightly pointed out Ricky Ponting, Alan Border, nobody changed, right? So, like I said, I'm okay with his behavior, but DJ, can you imagine a day where Kohli is in the playing eleven and not captain? I don't think we're going to see that. Who's going to captain Virat Kohli? I don't think there's anyone who's got enough character in this team to be able to do it. And and but doesn't that scare you? Because we've seen Dravid, Ganguly, Tendulkar, and Dhoni all having the ability to be captained by somebody else. But for me, it's just I I feel sick in the stomach when I think of it that I can't imagine somebody else captaining Virat Kohli, and that's very very that's that'll be a very sad thing for Indian cricket. I mean, I don't think it's such a problem him captaining the team. I think he needs to grow as a captain, improve as a captain tactically. And that will come with more time in the job. I mean, he's been doing the job now for three, four years. Yes. But what he doesn't have is a... Is a hello, 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 everybody. It's been another great week on the IBM Podcast Network. On What the Hell Navya, Jaya Bachchan, Shwetananda and Navya herself dish out stories from their childhood. They discuss tough love between parents and their kids. On Pesa Vesa, Anupam talks to Bhaman Irani, President-elect Kredai, and Chairman and MD at Rustamji. They discuss the concept of buy versus rent and how to approach buying property in 2022. On Cock and Bull, Cyrus is joined by Meghnath and comedian Shad Shafi. They discuss their opinions on the ongoing Congress presidential elections and Prashant Kishore embarking on a padyatra. On The Life Manifesto, Zarina narrates a story that advocates that stress and emotions are not to be controlled but must be beautifully managed. And on the Filter Coffee podcast, Karthik is joined by Yashraj Akashi, Senior Ambassador of the TEDx program and curator of TEDx Gateway. They discuss the origin story of TED and its franchise model. Guys, go to our website, ivmpodcast.com. You can check out the merch store, also links to all of our social media stuff, which is at IVM Podcast. Also, do check out our YouTube channels. We have a number of channels with many of your favorite shows available as full video podcasts. Finally, we'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Volvo XC40 Recharge, Bumble, Heads Up for Tails, and HDFC Mutual Fund. Thank you so much for making this possible. Do you often find yourself surrounded by conversations about Web3, blockchain, NFTs, DAOs? What are these terms and how do they affect our future on the internet? So many questions, but don't worry, we've got answers to all your questions. Hi, I'm Eklavya Bhattacharya, and on our show, Future Proofing, we try to decode the impact of these future technologies on various industries with experts and tech enthusiasts. Tune into new episodes coming out every Thursday on the IBM Podcast app and the website, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Working Monday to Friday glued to your chair making you feel dull? Worry not. Get your 5-minute weekly dose of travel around the world with postcards from nowhere. Join me every Thursday as I explore the strange, obscure and fascinating parts of the world and bring out facets of travel you may not have thought of before. You can find us on the IBM Podcast app, website or wherever you get your podcast from.